0: Hour. I'm your host, Astral Meadow. Join me as we take a glimpse into the mysterious. Welcome everyone. Today I'm joined with my friend Ivy Wren. She is a meditation teacher, sound healer and therapeutic art coach at Art and Soul Meditation as well as a homeschooling mom of three young children. She is a forest bathing enthusiast who loves to immerse herself into nature and create lovely nature mandalas. Ivy is also a member of the Baha'i faith and a student of all religions and the metaphysical sciences. Her current projects include a book called Weeds and Wildflowers, and she is recording an album of original and soothing sounds for healing and meditation. Welcome to the show! Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming out. It's lovely to meet you in person.
1: Yes, it's very lovely to meet you.
0: Yes. Um, So for those who don't know too much about you, could you give a little background on yourself and your
1: spiritual journey? Yes. So um, I have a bachelor's degree in religious studies, and I was a minister in the Christian faith for 10 years. So I've always been a very spiritually minded person. Um, Even early on as a child, I was very spiritually minded and interested in metaphysical things. But I was kind of in a box, you know, the way I grew up, I was in this box. But over the last several years, I've had this great spiritual awakening that has led me down a path that's just been amazing and so um, so much fun and joy. So in the intro, we talked a little bit about how
0: you were a member of the Baha'i faith. What are some of the core teachings
1: uh, and principles of this faith? So, in the Baha'i faith, um, we believe that all the religions have these basic core universal truths to them. Um, there are three core principles of the Baha'i faith that we consider as a summary of the faith. And that is oneness of God, oneness of religion and oneness of humankind. And it's all about unity. There are some more principles I'll share with you, but the basic concept is that God or whatever you call this greater being, the spirit, the universe is one. There's not multiple um, there's the all all that is, you know, right. and that and that we all all of us who are religious, spiritual people, we're all worshiping the same thing. We're all a part of the same um, the same thing. All the religions have these core truths to them, and the prophets of these religions were all manifestations of God that brought messages from god and they had special messages for that time Mm -hmm. period but they also came with universal truths that we can all benefit from today and Mm -hmm. we can all learn from so the in the baha'i faith the prophet is called Um, baha'u'llah baha'u'llah was um, around in the 1800s And um, he was a great prophet that spent a lot of his life imprisoned um, in Persia. Mm. Um, But there are a ton of writings from the Baha'i faith. There are just so many. Um, But the basic principles that that were brought to us by Baha'u'llah are independent search after truth. This is one of my biggest things that that I love about the faith was that um, unlike some traditions, we are encouraged to seek truth, Mm. seek truth everywhere. Um, A a person cannot become a Baha'i until they are at least 15, and they have to do this independent search for truth before they're able to become a Mm. Baha'i. The oneness of the entire human race – the abolition of all forms of prejudice, uh, harmony between religion and science, which is really uh, an amazing thing too. Um, the in the faith we believe that religion and science can coexist, mm-hmm. um, and and I love that. We also believe in the equality of men and women. It's huge, huge part of the faith, and very, very. Um, very controversial at the time, um, the faith did evolve out of Islam. Okay. So it was a very, um, very radical. Right. Uh, in fact, I will share one story, which is an amazing story. When the Baha'i faith first began and there were, there were a council of, um, of mostly men who were, trying to come together and consult about their core principles and what, what, what they really should stand upon. Um, and there was this woman called Tahare. And she was a follower of um, the Báb, which, which is actually um, the one who kind of started the faith before the Prophet Baha'u'llah. Um, and she came into this meeting of all of these men, and she tore off her head covering. And because these members of the faith were still so entrenched in Islam and trying to figure out the difference of their beliefs, several of the men actually killed themselves. Wow. Just because they saw her without her head covering. And her statement was, this is what we are about. Mm -hmm. We're about removing these barriers we are about equality for men and women. Mm-hmm. We're about humans are one race, one um, the oneness of mankind. We're unified, um, and that was a very extreme example of right. um, of her statement. I mean, I, I can't imagine that was like the 1840s, something like that um, in Persia <laughs> in Iran. Right. Um, so that was that was that's a crazy story. Um, we also believe in universal education mm. um education is a big part of the baha'i faith um not just material education but also spiritual education mm-hmm. in fact there is a quote from the writings that says regard man as a mind rich in gems of inestimable value education can alone cause it to reveal its treasures and enable mankind to benefit therefrom mm-hmm. uh, so uh, that is a big part um We really stress um, spiritual education alongside of material education, Um, and we also believe in the abolition of extremes of wealth and poverty, Um, and we believe in tearing down social-economical barriers as well. Justice is a huge part of the Baha'i faith. Service is a big part of the Baha'i faith. In fact, um, uh, it's said in the faith that Prayer is service. Service is mm-hmm. prayer.
0: Okay. I really love the, the mind, body, and spirit. So encouraging the seeking of knowledge, which there have been religions in our history where it's like you can't even read it. You know, they don't want you to seek any of the information out yourself, and they definitely don't want you to challenge it by studying other sources of information. So it's really cool to hear that that's a big part, like the quest for knowledge is a part and that you're not just like initiated at birth. This is something you have to desire and want. Mm -hmm. So there's no pressure, you know, like you're born into Christianity and you just start labeling yourself as a Christian because that's what your, your family did or whatever. And then you feel weird to not like you feel excluded to not, but here it's like you take that step Mm -hmm. of initiation and say, I do want to seek more of this. And it's like a conscious choice,
1: you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, one of the big things in the Baha'i faith is that we are forbidden to proselytize. So um, we're not to convert, to try to convert people Mm, to become Baha'is. We have these writings that give us a plan and give us these um, wonderful principles. And we want to share them with others, but we don't expect them to become Baha'is. We want to work alongside them in community to help build the world into a better place. Um, We're very much about the progress of man in both spiritual and material realms. Um, We believe in something called the um, progressive revelation, which I kind of explained earlier that the manifestations of God, all the prophets of God have come with messages that were aimed for the people at the time because humankind is progressing and they have been progressing over time. And certain messages humankind was not ready to receive at that time. Mm -hmm. But now we're at this point where we're able to receive these messages that Baha'u'llah brought and um, that the writings contain.
0: Mm -hmm. I really love the inclusion of, you know, bringing in the older religions, but yet allowing for evolution, you know, so you can celebrate the older religions and know that there might be these limiting beliefs in there But instead of just saying, "Okay, we have to burn the whole book, say, well, that was written for a different time period Mm -hmm. and that there's still wisdom there and that we can still find some meaning there. But we don't necessarily have to restrict ourselves to these older belief systems, but we can still appreciate them and therefore include all of them into, you know, our world and coexist. Uh, I do feel like, I think I talked about this on the last episode, like the the feeling that feels so toxic with religion is the bickering and the saying that I'm right, you're wrong. And that I do think moving forward, if we want more peace, we have to figure something out. Like not mm-hmm. everyone has to be this religion or that, but like we do have to be okay with the fact that other people have these different beliefs. And how cool would it be if we just sort of looked at that person and said, you know, I believe you too. You know, I have my beliefs, but I believe that your beliefs are valid as well. And, you know, right. I don't have to convert to understand and see the beauty of yours. So I I don't know. I feel like as, you know, humans, we are evolving into being more harmonious because now we have sort of burned some of those, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bridges that were like keeping us disconnected. And now we're all kind of uniting more because we can travel We can relate, share our stories and realize, you know, they might call their deity a different name, but at the end of the day, there's the core truth. And as long as you're not, you know, murdering people (laughs) or harming people with your message, right, then
1: you we can all join together and just celebrate life. Right. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the writings also speak out a lot against bickering we want unity and harmony is the is the goal and so we have a process in the baha'i faith called consultation And instead of having arguments mm-hmm. basically um, the idea is there are principles that allow us to consult with each other the whole idea is that everybody's voice is heard and that we acknowledge each other's voice each other's truth and we come to an agreement of sorts to at the core of that, um, that subject that we're discussing, something that brings together what we all, what we all see or what we all believe. And, um, so making decisions is all about consultation, consulting each other and coming to a decision that everybody can feel good about.
0: That's beautiful. I definitely think that that is a positive and, um, I've been, you know, naturally drawn to like Unitarianism, just anything that allows the space for others. So when I found out that this religion existed, I was so excited that Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that we're making a lot of progress as humans. Like if we can, if we can unite in this way, if we can hold space for each other in this way, then I have faith that we will not just sit and destroy each other. Cause like, I do feel like there was a point in our history where it was just like, no one, could even interact like tribes would fight each other. Everybody was at war and it just shows you how I feel like we have advanced. I mean, I know that everyone wants to hate on
1: where we're at, like the world's terrible. And I'm like, but actually, yeah, I think
0: it's getting better.
1: It is. And one of the things that um, our writings talk about also is that there will be a collapse of sorts before we can rebuild. Mm -hmm. Um, So our civilization—it's—it's um, it's really simultaneous. While there are old things that are falling away, there are new things that are rising up mm-hmm. in in our civilization. And those new things—those are the those are the really good things: the equality, the unity, the harmony, um, the peace. Um, we believe in something called the most great peace—that the world can attain this goal of peace between all mankind and that's what we work towards and the biggest thing that we, we we are working on right now um as as a religion we kind of have these um these roadmaps these goals that we that we set um and these plans and the biggest thing right now is we're building communities but not just any communities we're building both spiritual communities and um material communities so people coming together, helping one another through service, but also um, also valuing spiritual principles and virtues and trying to become better people. Um, and we believe that when, when that happens, when people come together as they're trying to become better individuals themselves and these people come together, um, we can create a better world.
0: Mm, right, because that's how you share the ideas and that's how you create... The tribe that's lifting each other up and really supporting exactly. each other. And I think that's what we need. I think so many of us, we're having a hard time because we're doing it all alone, you know, and we're so separate. So these communities are kind of how we, you know, I think can mend the bond and uh, work together, you know, and take some of the load off of all this. Okay, I, everyone's paying their rent separately. Everyone's paying their babysitters separately. What if we all collaborated?
1: yeah. I mean that's beautiful. I mean that is what the early church of of the Christian religion, the early church was about, Um, and that's just a beautiful picture of of how we can all you know be in unity. And one of the things that I wanted to share also about the faith is that um, we're considered actually the most uh, one of the most widespread religions in the world. We're the Really the newest world faith um, of the main religions, but um, there are groups of Baha'is in, I I don't remember how many countries, but we're the most widespread um, besides Christianity, as in the most um we have, we're in the most amount of countries. Oh. Um, we have these temples around the world that are actually very beautiful. Yeah. I, I have these pictures of, of these temples that we have um, that are centers for, um, for the work in these different countries. Um, we have what's called nat- national spiritual assemblies in each country. And in, in um, the United States, it's actually in um, the Chicago area oh. um, is our national house of worship there. And it is really beautiful if you get, ever get a chance um, to go visit. It's beautiful, peaceful yeah. um, space.
0: I would love that. I don't think I've ever um, seen any imagery around the faith. I've only really lightly uh, heard about it, and I, I told you earlier, because my wedding date just happened to be on, you know, the day that they celebrate this particular faith, and... I looked it up a little bit then and decide we decided to make it a part of our ceremony. And we actually had a different color candle for each of the main religions that we lit in sort of this unification, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're unifying ourselves. But we're also, you know, within this community um, of other people. And so we wanted to bring in each of these principles and honor each different style of belief. This was all intuitive.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it just it. I don't know. It, it meant so much to me when I saw it. I was like, this date is not random, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that even us, this ceremony is, you know, meant to be, and it's bigger than just two, you know, it's uniting all sorts of different things. So, um, let's talk a little bit about meditation. Um, how has it supported you and your mental health over time? And do you feel like everyone can benefit a little bit by practicing it?
1: Yes, that's the answer. And, um, I talked a little bit earlier about um, my time spent in um, inpatient care for my bipolar disorder. And that is where I was really, I really came into begin my practice of meditation very seriously. I, before I kind of had this, this idea of meditation and prayer in, in the, um, in the Christian faith. Uh, and I was really, I was really actually drawn to Eastern practices, um, which was kind of controversial for the, um, the community that I was in right. at the time. Um, but I was drawn to those kinds of practices. And when I came to this recovery center, um, they used some mindfulness practices as a way to help us. And I took away so much from that. It calmed me so much. It brought me um, into myself in a way um, that felt so peaceful that I decided afterwards um, we made a plan, basically a self-care plan, um, as I was leaving the recovery center. And that was a big part of my self-care plan, was to delve into meditation more and to spend time in meditation. And so after that, after a little while of, of going through that um and practicing meditation more I decided that I wanted to become a meditation teacher so I started some meditation teacher training online during the pandemic and it um it widened my um it deepened my meditation practice and it has allowed me to share that with other people Um, one of the greatest benefits that I've had is I was able to go off of anxiety medication Mm -hmm. um, just through learning these meditation practices mindfulness practices Um, it, it made such a big difference in my ability to cope with stress and I think that everybody everybody can benefit from it even the smallest amount of time that you can that you can give to meditation and mindfulness practices, it can make a huge difference in your mental health.
0: Right. And there's so many types of meditation. And I think that's where people get stuck because they're like, I can't sit there with my eyes closed Mm -hmm. for five minutes. Well, if if you really believe that you can't sit there with your eyes closed for five minutes, maybe light a candle and stare at the flame for five minutes in silence and, and be mindful of your breath. Yes. Or there are active meditations, you know, I think about people walking through like sort of the labyrinths or, mm-hmm. but the whole time, their goal is to be present and aware. And so they're not sitting still, you know, and I get that I get it's hard to sit still. Mm-hmm. But maybe if you did more of the active meditations first, you could start regulating your nervous system. And then you might be surprised at how long you can sit still.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. And one of my big things is I, I kind of specialize in helping people with ADHD because I have ADHD myself. So and I know a lot of us think that we can't meditate. But yeah, when I say meditation, there are so many meditation practices. And um, at the first meditation teacher training that I took was all um, was was a Buddhist based meditation teaching. And um, And so it was a little bit more formal Mm -hmm. as far as meditation. But then I I took another teacher training course, which introduced me to um, a variety of meditation practices. And it really opened my eyes to all of these types of meditation that can help people of, you know, different um, with different brains. Mm
0: -hmm. Right, right. I used to you know, not understand the the whole goal. I think, in med- you know, I would see the stance and see people do it, but I didn't realize, well, why are they doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. But for me, doing yoga actually helped me meditate because I would get all the movement out. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was like, just not settled. And so I would do, you know, like 10, 20 minutes of yoga, and then I would want to lay there in Savasana. And then I'm like, well, I'm kind of meditating. But I'm laying here. So, What if I actively, you know, did the yoga first and then sat in that energy that I created and then let it rest? But it's almost Mm -hmm. like, I think some of us have a lot of pent-up energy that we almost need to get out first. So maybe like if you're struggling with sitting still, allow yourself to move, you know, add that into your meditation practice, like five minutes of moving and then try to meditate.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, Some other things that I add into my Meditation practice to help me um, get into this state of meditation um, is I do um, I do art and I journal. Um, Journaling is really amazing because it helps you. I mean, you can just brain dump and get all of this stuff out on paper, and that really helps prepare you for meditation Mm -hmm. um, for just finding your inner calm um, and you know regulating your nervous system and all of that. Um, So I love to do that. And then I I also, I think, you know, I I love to do art. Mm -hmm. Um, Doing art also came out of my time in the recovery center. They had an art, basically an art therapy room where you just a bunch of paint and paper and all this stuff. So um, I was able to just play around with, with the art stuff. And that. That drew me in, too, because at this time, I love to journal, but at that time, I, could, I just couldn't put down words. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was stuck, and I, I couldn't put down words. So the painting really helped me just to get some of this emotion, these emotions out, some of these um, things that I couldn't express. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helped me get all of this out, and I, I also knew that this was... A healthy thing and a good thing to continue to practice because my daughter my oldest uh, daughter actually has trouble expressing her emotions and she, but she's very artistic right. and i saw that it really helped her um, so when i was introduced to it again at this recovery center i knew that i had to make it also a part of my practice right. um, moving forward a, as a part of my self-care plan mm-hmm. and so i began to art journal Um, And eventually through all of this art journaling and meditation practices that I did, I was able to start journaling again um, because I came to a a place where I could express myself better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I began and I did training as a therapeutic art coach as well.
0: Right. It's interesting because I didn't, take the journey the same way that you did. But I feel like we stumbled upon uh, the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like doing yoga meditation and I've always been an artist. You know, I'm, I'm a doodler. I've always had art in my life, but I didn't always like set intention with it or, you know, make the space to say, okay, I'm going to make art and it's, it's going to be for mindfulness today. So I would make it to like maybe sell it or whatever. But then that kind of pulls you out of being just in that the meditative trance kind of of making the art Um, or what am I trying to express so sometimes I make art just with the intention of I want to release some emotions I want to move something I want to unblock something Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to sell this so this is for me you know so it, it was important as an artist for me to separate the art that's for my own mental health and then the art that's to sell Because then I don't have the boundary of like, what if someone doesn't like the colors or what if no one buys this? It doesn't matter. It's not even the intention is never to make something beautiful. Even sometimes it's just I want to pull something out that's in me and put it on paper.
1: Yes. I mean, I really learned that um, I my mother was an artist. She was a very good artist. And so as I grew up, I thought, well, I'm not an artist because I, I don't have the skill that she has. Um, so I wasn't really into art that much because I thought that was her thing. You know, I have my own things. Um, but when my daughter, the, they told me in her preschool that she was super gifted in the art area, I wanted to start making art with her um, more often. And, you know, we ended up homeschooling and art became a big part of our curriculum, uh, a big part of what we did every day because it, it helped her. Um, It helped her emotionally and it helped her learn things. It was just her language. Right. And so I started picking up on the art as a way just to feed my soul and just Mm. to, Um, express myself and so I had always thought before it has to be something beautiful it has to be something um, you have to be gifted at it you have to have skill Um, but yeah um, this uh, my whole idea of art changed and creativity changed and so I want it I, I want people to understand that creating through art is a great way to To cope with stress and everything that we have going on in our daily life, and find peace. And um, the best thing about being creative um, and practicing creativity every day is the fact that it exercises that muscle in your brain that that part of your brain, and it helps it helps you be able to come up with creative solutions to everyday life problems.
0: Right. So this is like when they say, do yoga off the mat, you know, make art off the mat, be just to be a creative being in general is such a positive thing. And I really feel like, you know, we talk about like unschooling or unlearning thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but so many adults, okay, all of us have to figure out that we don't have to have this perfection. We can do yoga without a perfect yoga body or what, you know, this idea that we see in Mm -hmm. the Yoga Journal magazine, we can make art. And it, not, it doesn't have to look like Salvador Dali because that's Salvador Dali. That's not us. Um, you know, we can do meditation. It doesn't have to look a certain way. But I think that we have these images of what is art? What is meditation? You know, what is learning? Like, but like, it doesn't actually matter like what it looks like. It doesn't, you know, there Mm-mm. is no, per. you know, everything that you're doing is perfect for you. Right. And if you're trying to mimic something else, well, it's not going to look perfect because... That's someone else's art or that's someone else's yoga routine. So even to down to dancing, I think we've seen, you know, JLo out there doing her thing and she looks so great and professional and we think I can't dance. Well, maybe you're not going to dance just like Lo because she's already doing that. Right. Maybe your dance is like more of a swaying or using your arms. or Like, I don't know. But I actually think that we have these walls put up that as adults, we have to keep unlearning
1: Oh, dance. absolutely! And the dance thing—I um, love to dance, and I'm actually kind of working on putting together a um, a workshop on meditative, mindful movement so just to just help mm. people get in their bodies and yes. feel comfortable with expressing themselves through dance in 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 a way that you know they don't have to be choreographed. Right? It doesn't have to maybe look good to anybody else or whatever. It's just how you feel and right. you're just getting into your body. And I, I actually want to do this with families, mm. um, kids and adults um, to just help them connect with their bodies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really struggled with that as a kid, you know, and I just made a post the other day about me dancing. I, I dance more publicly now because I want people to see me doing it, which looks a lot different than JLo. And they're like, Oh, well she's just a regular person, you know, and she's just dancing in her, bedroom like it doesn't have to be like this big grand performance that's just me in my flow state but just to give other people other examples of what movement can look like you oh know? yeah, but we're so dissociated. I mean, I know I have I struggle hard. I go right out, you know, if I'm going through like conflict or emotional turmoil or whatever. I tend to dissociate and leave my body mm-hmm. as I process it. So do I. But it's so much better to like pull myself back in and allow that movement, and then now I can process these big feelings, and they're not getting stuck in places in my body because I'm moving them out right as they come in. Um,
1: and it's been very healing for me. Yeah, you know? and all of these things our meditation practices can be meditation practices. That's what, that's exactly what I'm saying. The art can be a meditative practice. The, the dance, the mindful movement can be meditative practice. So when I say meditation, I mean, there are a lot of ways to meditate. Right. Um, uh, one thing that I've done, um, for art, um, as a meditative practice, um, um, I was on this site. Uh, I had a subscription to this site called Creative Bug. Um, that w- That's a really, really neat site for um, classes, uh, different art classes and things like that. But there was a, a course that I took that was just called uh, Color Meditations. And basically for 30 days, um, I used my watercolors and I just, they, you did like just certain things like maybe just zigzags uh-huh. and you... And you did different colors of zigzags, like on this page, like that day, that was one thing you did. Uh, the next day, maybe you did circles of different colors and you just chose whatever color. Sometimes it was like you just chose whatever color was um, was calling to you that day, right. whatever color. Um, but I did this for 30 days and it was so cool it was so much fun and so relaxing and Mm -hmm. it really was like a meditation because you're just making these same marks over and over again with different colors. And, um, it, it really, it released a lot of stress. It, it was, it was a beautiful thing.
0: Right. And you're just in flow. You're not worried about the outcome. Right. You know, you're not necessarily going to be like hanging the zigzag on the wall. You know, there's no need to make it look a certain way. It's just about getting the materials out and playing. Yeah, and yeah. the
1: beautiful thing with watercolors is that you don't have complete control over it a lot of right. times, and you end up with something beautiful sometimes yeah. on accident.
0: <laughs> right, right. I love working with all uh, watercolors because it really does. It's like the colors will start merging and blending mm. together, and then they form a whole new color that I wasn't even expecting.
1: Yeah, I do a lot of my um, therapeutic artwork with watercolor. I just feel yes. like. Um, there's you've got the water element there, too. And right. it's just so, you know, with emotions, mm-hmm. water and emotions, it, mm-hmm. it it's just so um, symbolic and therapeutic just to to use watercolors. Yes. I love it
0: all around. So do you offer any classes or guidance for people seeking support with art therapy?
1: I do. Um uh you can find on my Facebook and Instagram you'll see when I have certain um workshops coming up, but I also you can book individual sessions with me mm. and I can help people um I actually have these sessions that um that are kind of my signature sessions that are called Art and Soul sessions and they include meditation, art and sound. Okay. And sound healing. Mm-hmm. So they I I group them all together. They they go very well together. They all go hand in hand. So, in my workshops, when I do these art and soul workshops, um, also we will do a creative project. Then we'll move into a meditative state, and a guided meditation visualization from that um, that art project. And then we'll go into a sound bath with the sound oh, healing yeah. aspect. Right. And so it's it's a really it's a really cool. Um, it's a really cool experience. I love to do it.
0: Yeah, I feel like combining all those is is amazing. Um, and that's so wonderful that you offer that guidance for people. Um, let's talk a little bit more about sound healing. How has it impacted you? And what are some of the
1: instruments that you work with? So sound healing is really special to me. Um, this is one of the ways that I was able to start meditating deeper. Um, I'm really drawn I'm a musical person and I'm really drawn to music and and when I when I learned about sound baths and sound healing I started using those in my meditation practice as part of my meditation practice and it um, it changed my meditation practice it just really deepened it and the biggest part of that is the fact that those vibrations really change your brainwaves waves mm-hmm. um, from the high stress fight or flight kind of brain waves to these more relaxed and even deeper meditative states um it's it's really fascinating it's amazing and um just the way i felt after listening to these um to these sound baths and this sound healing was so so crazy it was crazy how much easier it was to meditate and um just how refreshed i felt like afterwards um, so uh, being a musical person, I have a background as a singer. I, I trained in opera and, um, I also, um, just dabbled in, have dabbled in music off and on. I was, um, I was going to go into music education, but kind of changed my plans. Um, I have always just been drawn to music. And so after hearing, uh, about sound baths and sound healing, I naturally wanted to participate in that myself. So I started um, purchasing all these instruments and getting into it, (laughs) of course. And so I I mostly work with um, with, uh, the crystal singing bowls. Um, I learned to play the Native American flute. Um, I use the steel tongue drum, frame drums. Um, But I use my voice a lot, too. I do a lot of chanting, toning, uh, vocal toning. And singing, I come mm-hmm. up with original, um, like original chants, original things, and that's what um, I'm hoping to get this um, this album out soon with some of my sound healing, with some of my original chants and songs.
0: That's wonderful. It's a really great way to be able to share it with people. You know, if they can't see you in person, they can still mm-hmm. bring that into their home and support you in that way, and then just have it anytime Um, yeah I saw an acupuncturist and she had this this song it was like a certain amount of time it was like the perfect amount of time each time and she would always play the same one and she did that intentionally Mm -hmm. because that every time I would go I would know I would know what to expect I would have this experience I would know when it's coming to the end you know and it's almost like I could just like relax more into it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it was like the repetition of that song had its own healing quality, you know, and was like a comfort for me, uh, with all these needles in my body. (laughs) I was like, okay, we're getting close to the end, but sound is just so good. I think, you know, it's helping us on multiple levels, even energetically. I think things like gongs and singing bowls can actually help clear our aura, right? It's like clearing these energies that we've sort of collected throughout the day and then you bang that gong and it's like okay. Oh yeah,
1: that's I oh, also I do gongs too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I knew I, I left one out.
0: Right. I was like I feel like I see pictures with gongs, but um I really do think yeah, it's helping us mentally, but even on that spiritual level, it's almost like having this cleansing effect. So then it's like mm-hmm. you can't think when you're listening to uh, some of these songs, you know, cuz you're hearing the instrument, it's taking It's almost like shutting that monkey mind off.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And another cool thing about the sound healing, um, when I do it, it's very intuitive. So Mm. um, you're not going to hear the same sound bath from me. Um, Although there's really good things that come from also repetition and Mm -hmm. listening to things that are repetitive. um, There's also with cutting off the monkey mind, there's also a great thing about not knowing what right. to expect, and just listening, just this mindful listening. And the the great thing about sound healing also is that it's kind of a no-judgment kind of music because, you know, when we hear normal chord progressions and stuff that we hear in music and songs, we can, like, prejudge and say, oh, you know, this is kind of not my style or I don't really like this. Um, but there's, there's really no judgment ability, you know, in the sound healing because the music is is so, um, it's, it's very intuitive. So you don't know what to expect next. Mm -hmm. It's not predictable. Um, it, it does, it just, um, clears your, your mind of that monkey mind kind of thing.
0: Right. Right. And like, it's very refreshing. You Mm -hmm. know, I always, I've done a couple of sound baths, was really not aware of like what was going to happen. You know, I'd never done it before, but I, I did leave feeling
1: totally renewed, yeah. You know. I mean, it feels like a lot of times it feels like you've had like a really deep sleep. Right. Yeah. Right. in just a short amount of time.
0: Right. And it, it is that meditate. So if you can't meditate, I feel like doing the sound bath, you are laying there and they're, de- they help guide yeah, you. It
1: is, it is a kind of meditation, you know, it's a sound meditation and, right. um, I love it. It's, it was super helpful for me with my, um, ADHD to, to get out of my, to get out of my head and my monkey mind mm-hmm. and um yeah so I love to also it's very it's very meditative for me to actually do it as well to perform a sound bath so I I love doing it and I do I do sound baths uh, periodically around um around the Knoxville area mm-hmm. um at at different places so you can you can find usually find events and um information on my Facebook page
0: awesome um, so I know you're really into forest bathing. Um, could you share a little bit about what that is and what are some ways that incorporating this practice has supported your overall well-being?
1: Oh, yes. Um, I love nature. I've always been a lover of nature, just being outside. Um, but I haven't been a lover of nature in maybe a traditional way, as in, you know, loving to um uh, be super active in nature or you know I I love to go hiking but it wasn't about like getting to the place or the exercise that was um what I enjoyed it was like taking my time and paying attention to things and taking pictures Mm -hmm. and all of that so I'd kind of been forest bathing most of my life that's kind of I would sit out in the woods behind my house with my journal um I just loved like being in nature and that's really what forest bathing is about it's about connecting with nature in this in this way that's different from you know actually connecting with nature to learn and identify plants and things and to be active as a part of an exercise routine or something Um, and uh, I'm just going to read a little bit about um, forest bathing here um, in this book your guide to forest bathing by uh, M. Amos Clifford Uh, The air through which we walk is in many ways similar to water. It moves in currents. It flows in waves. You can see this in the myriad patterns of clouds floating in the ocean of sky. The atmosphere is much like the ocean. The air around us is an ocean in which we have always bathed, and in the practice of forest bathing, we immerse our senses in the special qualities of the fluid, oceanic ambiance of the woodlands we walk slowly so we can focus our senses on the myriad ways the living forest surrounds and touches us. Um, So it's all about just um, participating in the atmosphere um, in with the different senses. Mm. And when I, when I lead forest bathing experiences, there are several like activities that I um, encourage and it has a lot to do with touching, smelling, um f- just feeling um uh you know making an emotional connection um a spiritual connection uh it's it's very there are very many health benefits to forest bathing and it originated um it technically originated as a practice called shinrin yoku in Japan and there's been many studies about the effects of being in the forest being outdoors and experiencing nature as as a health benefit um and but it's also a very um spiritual practice and it's emotionally healing just to to be out there and soak in this um, atmosphere Uh, so i i love to do that and out of this experience of experiencing nature in that way um, I developed this habit with, with my art. I like to combine things <laughs> right, right. with my art of making nature mandalas. Yes, um, yeah. I love
0: watching you make these and like posting the images of these.
1: Yeah, so the idea um, behind them, you know, is that the ancient symbol of the mandala represents the circle of life and the interconnectedness of the universe. And when I make one with these found nature items – it feels even more profound, right? You know, it not only represents the circle of life, but also the seasons, the ephemeral quality of life. Um, making the nature mandalas helps me to like mindfully connect with the earth,
0: right? Yeah. You're taking that moment while you're in the forest
1: to play with it yeah I feel like
0: it it's responding to that because it's all alive too so it's sort of playing back like here here's some tools like be creative you know yeah so it almost creates this beautiful relationship with nature itself and puts you back into like well I am also a part of nature you know like I might feel separated at times because I live in a city and you know I don't I'm hearing horns honking as you know like being in the city Mm -hmm. I do feel like they're it's almost impossible not to experience that disconnection at times. So that return and like it almost like helps you feel more like your natural self, you know, as you submerge yourself into it. I feel like you come out different.
1: Yeah. And the practice of forest bathing, although it's called forest bathing, you don't actually have to be in a forest. You can do this in a city, um, in a city park. I do it in my backyard sometimes. It's just about connecting with nature in that way. Um, in a, in a playful, in a really just kind of a playful way mm-hmm. um, and mindful. Um, we just don't, we don't see these small things a lot of times when we're outside. We don't take that time to see, to feel, mm-hmm. uh, to experience these things. Um, and there's been several things um, while I'm doing my forest bathing experiences, when I'm doing uh, my nature mandalas, I see things I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't been mindfully connecting with nature in that way, like I've picked up a leaf and seen a snail that's smaller than my pinky finger, you know, like, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it's just so amazing. And, um, to see these different creatures and find these, you know, beautiful wildflowers and, um, all the shapes and colors.
0: Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, I don't, I've never loved hiking for exercise. Like I just, anytime I was hiking, there had to be some kind of beautiful thing I was going to see at some point or a waterfall or something. I'd almost have to trick myself to even go Mm -hmm. because like when I'm sweating and my heart rate's up, you know, that feels like fight or flight to me. Okay, so as someone that struggles with anxiety, if I'm over here hiking a mountain and I'm trying to you know, relax, like it doesn't work. So for me, that mindfulness in nature makes me feel a little bit better about it because- I'm like, well, you know, you can get these benefits and you don't have to be this professional rock climber, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to get it. And, you know, I just, I don't even like to go hiking with people, you know, unless they have that same mindfulness approach, because I don't want to feel like, oh, I'm lagging behind and like, I'm not, you know, keeping up or anything, but, um, I think a lot of people are probably similar to that at times. Like they want to feel like they're in nature, but they don't necessarily want to just exercise for four hours. Right. You know, so it's like, well, you don't have to, you know. And it's like just giving yourself permission to just like go sit by the lake, you know, and not walk. Like what if you didn't exercise the whole time? Like what if you just sat there and watched the ducks swim by and like you don't have to swim the whole channel, you know. Yeah. But it's almost like our culture has taught us like, okay, hiking, rock climbing you know, swimming. And and it's like, all that's wonderful, like for the people that really thrive in that area. But some of us are like, well, we can still benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can go lay in the lake and float and I'm just as you know, I'm going to experience benefits just from that I don't have to just swim the whole time. It's like, like, we feel like we just have to push ourselves. But I feel like my life is calling me to be more still actually and to slow down. Yeah, and and, it's all about
1: balance, too.
0: Right. I'm not saying don't get your heart rate up at times, but, like, a lot of us are actually trying to do the opposite because our heart rate is up too much. And so, you know, to allow yourself to just have these peaceful bliss moments, too, Mm -hmm. you know, in between all of this. And
1: look at kids. Watch kids when they're outside, how they experience it, how they play and connect with nature, and that's what I'm talking about. I mean, you're going to feel like really silly sometimes. If you join one of my forest bathing um, excursions, you're going to feel really silly. Um, sometimes we talk to trees. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you might feel really silly, but um, it's all about, you know, being playful and and connecting with nature in a way that, you know, children naturally do. Right naturally do.
0: (laughs) Right. And that's definitely healing our inner child stuff. You know, that oh yeah where we've disconnected from that. And there's this return, I feel like, into adulthood where we're like, some of that childhood stuff wasn't meant to be just lived for five years and then turned off. Like what if that was actually supposed to, you know, carry us into our adulthood and like keep us tuned in and keep us healthy. You know? So I've been singing this tree out in my backyard. It's an oak tree. And anytime I'm anxious or before a podcast, if I want to be really grounded, I'll go out and I'll do my mantras and sing to this tree with my hands on it. And I, I just feel like the tree loves it when I do this. So it it's also benefiting. And then it helps me feel rooted. So I'll look and see how tall those branches go. Mm-hmm. And then I'll imagine, okay, the roots are equally as deep as this height. So then I'll ground and say, like, look how rooted I am. I'm just as rooted as this yeah. tree. and. I will come back in like I'll, I might be totally anxious before this. I'll go sing to this tree for five minutes or however long, come back in and I'm just ready. You know, I'm more confident. I'm more, mm-hmm. I just feel more at peace. I'm just like trusting. And I feel like when we're in that that natural habitat, a lot of those anxieties just go away. And it's like it's this standard. It's these these things that we've put on ourselves that that are actually unnatural Oh, yeah. So when we return and we realize, oh, well, you know, I'm allowing myself to get in this frantic state. But if I can return to the pace of nature, then I'm just I'll be able to just flow with everything.
1: Yeah, we can learn so much from nature. One of my favorite things that I ever learned about uh, from nature is You know the roots of the trees and how they're all connected, and they and the plants and communicate with each other through all these connections and the fungi and all that. Um, It it's amazing. It I I used this example in a community building conference for the Baha'i faith, Mm -hmm. and uh, and I love to like imagine when I'm out there that I'm tapping into that root system, that connection with all of, um, all of nature, right. that I'm tapping into that because I am, I'm a part of nature. We right. are a part of nature. And, you know, one of the activities that I have people do is to listen yeah. and see if, uh, uh, what do they think that they, they're hearing from, from the roots? What messages are you hearing? The mm. plants, you know, communicating to each other, right. um, you know, it using imagination details. and everything, you know, it's, um, it's really it's there's a lot to learn from nature
0: right and I feel like you know there as we progress with science like we learn even more about the complex oh, yeah. complexity of their the life cycles and things there was this documentary and I think it was on a society called Donimer or something but someone had invented this device that you can just hook up to a plant and like each plant has like this different sounds that it's making Oh yeah And I'm just like, this plant is singing. But, like, it would talk to the plant and then it was like the sound would change when it would, you know, talk to the, like, ask Mm -hmm. it a question. So I'm like, this is really weird (laughs) because I think the plants are interacting with us even more than we could even imagine. And uh, science is evolving to actually help us, I think, understand the living property behind it. Where we, so many people pass trees all the time. They don't even think about it as a living being. right? But it's like... There is wisdom and they are, they're whispering to us, you know, Mm -hmm. all the time. And I feel like the indigenous cultures know this and they knew this and like they were very tapped in and connected to all of these living, like every rock, you know, every tree, every animal. And I feel like as, you know, we've, some of us were never taught that. And so we're sort of just now making that connection and it's so beautiful. And I feel like it awakens so much in us.
1: It does. And that's another thing. Actually, the Baha'i faith is very, um, they're very much into environmental issues, but they're also the writings of the Baha'i faith. They use metaphors from nature a lot, Mm -hmm. um, where the flowers of one garden, the leaves of one tree, the waves of one ocean and, uh, things like beautiful things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the garden of your heart, plant not but the rose of love. I mean, beautiful, right? Uh, poetic things about um, using nature as an example and a metaphor, and I I love that about about the faith as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's just uh, I'm I I have such a connection with um, with nature in that way.
0: Right, right. It's beautiful to have a, a spiritual tradition that honors that and mm-hmm. actually helps you, you know, want to cultivate even more of a connection. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit about the focus of your book, uh, "Weeds and Wildflowers," and will it be available for purchase when it's finished?
1: Yeah, so I'm really excited about this um, this book, "Weeds and Wildflowers." I've always wanted to uh, write a book, um, but I didn't think that this would be the the first way I go. But doing my nature mandalas really became um, a, an inspiration for this book. Uh, first of all, you know, I, w- I take pictures of my, man- my mandalas, and I make like magnets and stuff out of them, and I share them, and I just, you know, people like them, and I thought, uh, I'll, I'm going to put these in a book. I'm going to make a little, you know, book of, um, uh, like an art book with all of these images of these nature mandalas, and then I started thinking, you know, I love to write and everything, so I thought, you know, I'm going to make this a compilation of art and meditation and poetry, th- mm. things that I love to do. And so it's going to be full of nature mandala art, meaningful meditations, poetry. Um, it's just, it's going to be a guide for anyone longing to find the beauty in life and develop a deeper connection to the world around them. Um, creating the mandala style art from the found items in nature was my way of mindfully engaging in the world around me and satisfying my need for creative expression. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it became so therapeutic, um, and it helped me relieve my anxiety and support me and advance my healing from depression And so now I just want to share that experience with others, share the art, um, share these insightful meditations that draw on nature and some poetry that I've written and quotes and all of that is going to be in the book. Um, It's also going to be kind of an interactive experience um, with some practices that you can do um, Mm -hmm. to connect with nature um it's going to be um it's going to be kind of broken up in the seasons um and i i'm just really excited about it um it's you know will help people to connect with nature in a sensual and spiritual way right and uh it's been really fun to work on this and put this together
0: Right. I really love how as you've went through your own healing, your own journey, this process of unfolding that you're like, I want to help others, too, because, you know, Mm -hmm. you received probably little bits of guidance along the way, too. And how big of an impact does that make? Right. So you take this time to really organize it for people and say, okay, these are the things like here's some guided meditations. Here's some examples And I think seeing that really helps motivate people because there aren't really that many examples. There aren't many, you know, people that have like organized it in such a way that people can say, "Okay, I think I could, you know, start a mindfulness practice. I think I could make my own nature mandala, you know. Um, so I just love that you've taken the time to organize it for others and help lift them up as well.
1: You know, I, I know a lot of people don't have time to like sit down and read a book or they feel like overwhelmed when they sit down and read a book. So, Mm. um, for me, I thought with this first project, I wanted to make something like this. I know that I get a lot out of books like this that you can just take, uh, you know, a little part at a time and it's very interactive and, um, and you can just, you know, it, you can go through it and you can experience different things, but you don't have to go straight through the book. You can you can right. skip ahead. You can um, open it to any point and find a, a practice or something that you can do. And right. so that's how this book is going to be. And um, I'm working with a publisher right now um, called Something or Other Publishing. And they work kind of like crowdsourcing, um, crowdfunding, but they're like... Um, you vote. It's just okay. votes. So um, I'll ha- I'll give that information to you, but you can go on and read about my book project and vote for it to be published. And if I get a thousand votes for it, then I can get a publishing contract. So um, that's okay. something I would appreciate help with if you're interested in my book project and purchasing it in the future.
0: Yes, I will definitely make sure that everyone knows how to find that and will help support you in that way. Thank so. you um okay so we're kind of coming to the end um you had brought up the cumberland gap folk fest at one point could you share a little bit of details and like dates
1: and stuff on that yeah so coming up august 12th in cumberland gap tennessee um it's a beautiful quaint little town and so in the downtown area of Cumberland Gap they've just set up they've set up on the streets um, this whole festival that's celebrating um, celebrating even like different different traditions um, uh, and celebrating the area right. and they, they're bringing food and music and I'm actually doing some art presentations and art activities with a few friends of mine there and we'll be making some uh, nature mandala sun catchers um all of this is um i mean it's free to attend and my workshop will be free so you can just come and enjoy the um, making the art and i'll be you know using some of my sound healing instruments and you can just hang out with me and see some of my art and um it's it's just really fun I did this last year and it was a huge success it was so much fun um, and yeah it'll be August 12th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. in Cumberland Gap Tennessee
0: all right wonderful well, a lot of our listeners are from you know this area and um, I try to really focus on you know lifting up the people in my local community. So I really love these festivals and things where we can all connect and unite and celebrate our own little history here in the Appalachia area. So that sounds really
1: fun. Yeah. And the town has a lot of uh, their, the downtown area is very artsy and, um, you know, it's just they highlight some of the folk art and crafts and just promote the historic little town Um, and there's a lot of nature things you can do nearby too so it's it's an amazing place it's not too far from Knoxville um, and so I would just uh, I would say you know if you have a chance drive out there um, experience the area um, and you, you won't regret it it's it's a lot of fun wonderful thank you for sharing that with us Um, so what's the best way for our listeners to follow you and support your work yes the best way um, to keep up with me is through Facebook and Instagram and it's art and soul meditation on Facebook and on Instagram and you can message me um, you can you can book things with me and you can find all my events on there
0: wonderful Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for creating this episode with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun.
0: Yes. I love this. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. Check us out next time on the Astral Hour.